what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Tech episodes of this podcast are now supported by Furos.io. That is F-U-R-O-S.io. Furos is a Denver cloud consulting firm. And chances are, if there's a big building in downtown Denver with their logo on the outside of it, Furos has got people in there doing some very interesting work that has an impact on those businesses. They focus on AWS, cloud consulting, and their mantra is simple. Hire the best people they can, pay them really well, and let them work on challenging, interesting projects that have impacts on the business. So if you are struggling with the cloud, and I know that's a really overused word in the tech space, and projects aren't getting done, and you need some help, look them up. Furos.io. That is F-U-R-O-S dot I-O. All right. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. I'm here with Ethan Butte, author, podcaster, VP of marketing for bombbomb.com, bus driver, and his book, Rehumanize Your Business, is dropping, I think that's what the kids say, dropping (laughs) April 16th of this year. Uh, With that, Ethan, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. It's a pleasure to do this, especially to do it in person. Yeah. You've got a podcast as well. What's your podcast? It's the Customer Experience Podcast, and the goal there is just to find out how companies are are structuring, delivering, and measuring what I argue is the most important thing that we do as individuals and teams and companies is, you know, create positive, successful experiences for customers, and um, it's obviously cross-departmental, it's cross-functional, and so... How does sales think about it? How does how does marketing think about it? How does customer success or customer service think about it, and and all the other people who touch it? So that's what that's what I'm trying to unpack uh, week by week, <laughs> and it's been really fun and interesting. Nice. Um, I've I've got it, read a ton of sales books, and the ones that I kind of resonate with is that everybody is in sales, whether you're in accounting or you're at the front desk. Like you should be, you know, selling your company when you're out there. And does that translate to customer experience where it's some capacity, everybody's in customer experience? It does. I, I, I love the question. Um, so I leaned on uh, To Sell as Human from Dan Pink. Oh, I love that. In, in Rehumanize Your <clears throat> Business. That's how I was able to engage with him and get him to say some really nice things about the book after taking a look at an early uh, version of it. And um, so he advances the same thing. Whether you're directly in sales or indirectly in sales, you are influencing, persuading, cajoling is a word that he uses, uh, and, ju- and really just trying to move people from one place to another uh, emotionally, physically, or otherwise. The other thing that you offer here, so so we are all in sales, whether we're formally or directly in sales, whether we carry a quota and all these other things, we are all in sales Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. So sales and marketing, Daniel Pink. So um, so we'll pick up. Um, so it was recording final. Uh, yeah, it was. Okay, cool. So another way I look at that relative to customer experience and one of my motivations for starting a podcast with that as the theme is, uh, you know, Seth Godin says, if it's noticed, it's marketing. Therefore, 
everything is marketing. Therefore, everyone is a marketer. Uh, you know, and so uh, and it's the same thing about brands. So a really good friend of mine, a really important mentor in my career, uh, is kind of a branding expert um, and internal branding based in research and. Uh, you know, he would say the same thing. A brand is lived inside out. It's not what you say it is. It's what your customers actually experience. And so I think of uh, sales, marketing, customer experience, brand, some of these concepts are interchangeable, uh, essentially. And really, to your point, it's everyone's responsibility to put the best face forward and to operate in a way that is in service to and, and creating value for customers and potential customers. So what is, at a top level, what would you define customer experience as? It's not necessarily the, the transaction of um, money for a good or a service. It sounds like it's a lot bigger than that. So how would you put a, a point on that? Uh, I think the most, a couple of key themes. One of the most important ones is that it's every touch point, you know, so every opportunity you have to uh, engage with or interact with someone, whether it's face-to-face, person-to-person, uh, maybe in a retail establishment uh, or something like that, or whether it's someone on your website or someone browsing a physical piece of literature that's sitting in some kind of a stand, you know, I'm thinking now of like a, a hotel where you have all these little flyers and pamphlets uh, representing all the local tourist attractions or whatever. It's every touch point is the message there. This idea that every interaction is an opportunity to uh, build value, uh, promise value, create something positive in terms of, this is the other big idea, a thought or a feeling of a customer or a potential customer. So how do we think about you? How do we feel about you? Sometime the brand, sometimes the brand mark itself is enough for us to have some kind of a reaction. Nike swoosh is an easy go-to. What do we think about? What do we feel uh, intuitively, what is our gut when we see that? Well, it depends on what your experience has been in the past. It depends on how you feel about their advertising, some of the choices that they make, things you've heard from other people. It's all of these things that we experience. If you've been in um, Nike Town in Chicago, opened up when I was living in West Michigan, and so we'd go over there. And it was just it was one of the first big brand experience stores that I can remember, and um, you know that had a really big impact on me. And I, so I feel positively toward the brand. I've had good experiences with their products. And so um, it, it's all these touch points and what is the thought or feeling that we're left with. And then ultimately, just last button here is um, NPS, Net Promoter Score, mm-hmm. is regarded as a, a really good way to, to measure in one question uh, the future success of your company. And it's how likely on a scale of one to 10 are you to recommend this product or service to someone else you know. And I think now more than ever, this ability or willingness to recommend someone, this the ability to do it positively and specifically and the willingness to do it or even excitedness I don't know if that's a word. Uh, it you know, is now. <laughs> you know, I, I always say, if you know what I meant, then it's, then it's a successful piece of communication. Um, so so um, are we excited even to, to recommend the product or service? So I think when you're, when you're doing customer experience well, your NPS score will reflect that if you're, if you're looking for a way to measure it. Well, as you were talking about Nike Tan, I was, I was forming a question in my head about can a company be too big to have a consistent customer experience? And if Nike can do it, I would say that probably not, but I would say it's whatever is beyond exponentially more difficult for a bigger company because it's got to start at the headquarters and then get pushed down. And then 
it could be torpedoed by one retail associate that's in a bad mood that with all their branding, all their marketing, all the point of sale stuff and all that stuff that if, you know, Ted's having a bad day at, you know, junior high there, <laughs> you know, and it just, it can blow up. Yeah. It, it, I, that is a really interesting thing. I think the the broader, the, the product and service lines become, that's a complicating factor. Just the sheer size of the company, I think is a complicating factor. Uh, as you've already observed, I, I think the main thing that came to mind there as you were sharing that is it points to the importance of uh, recruiting, hiring, onboarding, training, and building true internal service quality and setting that standard for this is how we do it around here, um, such that everyone knows how important these things are. Uh, so when it's baked into the organization at a deep level and you can successfully um, recruit to it, hire to it, onboard to it, train to it, reinforce it, congratulate on it, pat people on the back over it, give promotions over it, hold up examples and celebrate it. And by it, I mean the way we approach our work and the way we approach uh, the people that we interact with and the, the care and the joy and the thought and all these other good things that go into a job well done day in and day out um, is probably the most effective tool, not that it's easy, uh, but it's probably the most effective tool to, to providing a good, consistent, high quality experience across the board. I was going to say, it's probably not easy, right? Because if <clears throat> company is successful and they're making money and the employees are relatively happy, that's probably like 80-20. You're not ever going to please everybody. That's probably a fairly uh, standard way to measure a successful business, right? But then to have do the hard part to actually think about, well, are the customers really enjoying this? And how do we ask difficult questions? And how do we... Um, improve upon that. That's that's hard. Yeah, I think uh, complacency is what I heard in there. This this the the potential for complacency yeah. of, you know, we've got a nice profit margin. Everything seems to be going okay. We're continuing to grow at X percent clip, uh, and so we're meeting our own goals for ourselves, and that's fine. I, it, but consumer expectations are changing every day. Uh, competition is changing every day, and so I think. Um, you know, you could have a sweet spot where you're healthy and successful. And then all of a sudden, these things that have been moving in the background, all of a sudden have an impact on you and your company and your brand and your experience. And, um, and it can, it can go sideways on you. So I think there, <laughs> there needs to be uh, some level of uh, forward looking and, and just, a, you know, essentially a growth mindset within the organization uh, to keep improving because we're, we're just never done. I used a CRM, a cloud SaaS CRM, which I will not name. And I would just just ask questions. I couldn't find the features. So I'm a big high-rise fan, and I'm sad to see that they're not taking new customers. But I was using this particular program, and I was like, you guys have no color at all. Like, your whole screen is white, black, or grayscale. And then every, it was like, and I would just ask these questions, and like, and finally, I got to the point where every ticket was like, hey, that's a great idea. We'll put that on for the next release. <laughs> and I just finally had, had it. And I just asked him, do you actually use this? And have you used anything else that's like this? Like I gave a couple examples like high rise. I go, are you your own customer? 
And I couldn't believe that. And maybe that's the best they could do or, or whatever. But I was stunned that if you used this, if you actually used this, you would see how bad this is. And I don't know how you could live with yourself. Yeah. So that's one of those, that's one of those really important intangibles. Like what is, especially for something like a CRM where you're going to spend hours a day, every day in and out of that thing. And so if it's, if it's a bland and ugly place to hang out, um, you know, that's, it's just not a great experience for people. Yeah. So with that, um, I've used BombBomb. I've actually had a, a trial subscription. It's been a couple of years, so I haven't used it in a while. But take me through, uh, for the listeners, what exactly it is. I think it's pretty slick. I like it. Our whole goal is to get you face-to-face with more people more often. We believe that any email can be as warm, personal, and effective as an in-person meeting. Now, of course, it's not an in-person meeting, but it's the next best thing. Uh, because it's your face, your voice, your personality, your enthusiasm, your sincerity, your gratitude, all these things that don't come through when you rely on plain typed out text to get some of your most important and valuable messages across. And so what we do is make it really easy to record and send videos. Uh, And of course, we track all the results there too. You can send to multiple people or just to one person. Um, And so we, we streamline the process of recording a video, uploading a video, encoding a video. We create a three-second animated preview to represent your video, so we take care of the thumbnailing part of it. Uh, and, and it's all built into a sending process. So you can do this from our own web application. You just log in at bombbomb.com. Uh, you can do it from, we have two different mobile apps. One of them's new since you were last active oh, with cool. us. And um, you can do it from directly inside the Gmail inbox through our Google Chrome extension. You can do it in Outlook. You can do it in Salesforce. You can do it in uh, the leading customer success platform, which is called Zendesk. Uh, and you can do it from dozens of other uh, platform and CRM integrations as well. And so, again, our, our premise is you are your own best sales asset, whether you're whether or not you're directly in sales, just to tie it back to the beginning <laughs> there. You know, whether or not you're formally a salesperson, um, you are your own best sales asset for advancing your ideas and opportunities and, and connecting with people. We all win through relationship. Uh, no one is doing this alone. Our, our professional and personal success is very rarely completely solo as a mission. You know, so, so this ability to communicate more clearly, to connect with people more effectively, and ultimately to convert at a higher rate is delivered um, through, uh, through video. Uh, and again, these are unscripted webcam and smartphone videos you can upload a you know if you put five thousand dollars into getting a video produced with a you know gorgeous uh lighting setup and it's professionally edited and lit and and and, uh and um, staffed and everything you can put that into bomb bomb and set it as well but where we're really seeing people have the most success uh we have about a thousand people who've sent a thousand or more videos out of their accounts and a handful of people over ten thousand I've been at it for about nine years now, and I only have 8,000 videos myself. <laughs> but uh, um, th- that the real win is in getting face-to-face more often. And so this unscripted, unpolished, just simply looking someone in the eye through the camera lens, again, not as good as being there in person, but the next best thing, and communicating your message uh, with all that rich nonverbal communication that our brains are wired to receive from one another is just a more effective and ultimately a more satisfying way to work because it is more connecting than the alternative, which is 
another plain typed out email, same black text on the same white screen that doesn't build rapport, it doesn't differentiate you, it doesn't stand out in the inbox, and all these other um, just inherent shortcomings of the medium. And so you don't send video every time, but our, our premise and the stories that we hear back from our customers are, when I pick my spots and I send a video in place of typed out text, it makes a really, really big difference. You had actually responded back to me with the thumbnail, which I thought was great. It wasn't a link, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was uh, you'd actually you had a whiteboard, and it was like, yeah, great next steps. And then the the playback was seamless. It wasn't like going to this, going to YouTube, watching an ad. It was just very, very cool. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally with you because I'm uh, verbal and audio first, and then face to face. I think I'm even better. And then if I have to sit and type something, I'm trying to be respectful of the person on the other end and their time and wanting to stand out, but also be efficient and be, yeah, whether it's clever, insightful, whatever you're trying to do, just to grab their attention. But yeah, it that's why I don't really like communicating with my friends via text or email. I do if I have to, but you look exactly the same as every other email, whether it's coming from you or my friend Cole or my boss or whatever. It's like, the this is different letters right and so it was really slick and i actually laughed out loud when i got your whiteboard thumbnails like all right i'm signing up again for bomb bomb that's really okay, cool good yeah so, so so the idea there is to communicate to whoever is receiving it that that there's some value and relevance there so for you when i wrote your name on there and kind of tied it into the initial introductory email that we got um uh, shared with us is to let you know that this is specifically for you and it's not some canned response. It's not my autoresponder. This isn't a video I made and sent it to 5,000 people all at the same time, although there are ways to make that video feel personal too. And so, you know, the same way you look to let someone know that you've got some value for them uh, in your subject line, so too you can do the same thing in your animated preview or your video thumbnail in the case that you do a static one. And so what I do is I just write notes. Sometimes I'll draw a company's logo. Sometimes I'll do other oh, things cool. like that on the on the whiteboard and then just hold it up. And so what BombBomb does is take the first three seconds of the video recording and just loops it as a little animated GIF. And so it's a, it is a it uh, is an image file, like a JPEG or a PNG or something, um, <clears throat> but it's actually moving. So when we deliver that, there's it's, it, the video is not an attachment. It's not, to your point, it's not a link. Uh, we send an animated preview representing your video, and when you click play, we dynamically regenerate the email and just start playing the video. So, And then, of course, I knew when you received it, when you opened it, and I knew when you watched the video, and uh, it just lets me know that it got through in that case. In, in another case, it might be really useful for me to know uh, in the case that it's maybe a, a prospect that I've been waiting to hear back from, you know, I send a video to engage, hey, hey, Bob, it's been, uh, you know, six weeks since we connected. Um, last time we left off at this point in the conversation, you expressed these concerns. I know you're going to Europe for a couple of weeks with your family. Hope that trip was awesome. Hey, I'm just trying to get this thing back going again and make sure that I can, you know, get you the solution that you're looking for. Um, you know, reply and let me know or pick up the phone and give me a call or something like that. So I just made up the scenario here. So when you see that your uh, email is open, that's a nice to know. When you see your video is played, you know that the message got through to Bob, that he is is experiencing you in person as if you're maybe across the table over coffee or lunch. Again, just kind of casual, informal. And that might be a great time to actually pick up the phone because if he's playing your video, you know that he's not 
uh, in the middle of the grocery store or in the middle of a really important meeting or something like that. It just gives you the opportunity to um, follow up based on his real behavior that we that we signal back to you through tracking and analytics. It said a lot about um, you because I had never spoken to you. We traded some emails, <clears throat> but it said a lot about to me about like your creativity, your personality. Um, and even though it was a little window on my screen, I was looking you in the eye and then there was a connection and it went from, you know, step zero at our relationship to, it's like, I kind of know this guy. And I was like, <laughs> it was, it was very impressive. It's a really powerful dynamic. We hear that story all the time from our customers and it's, they feel like they know me before they ever meet me, right? And so you know things about me um, just based on the way I present myself. And uh, I appreciate the positive feedback. But, you know, if for people who are listening and they say, ah, you know, I'm not a video person or I'm not creative. You use the word creative and I, I am creative. I've written and produced and edited all kinds of work for decades. Uh, so I do creative work in general. Uh, but... I'm thinking of one of our most prolific customers. He's a very plain-spoken, soft-spoken real estate agent in Oklahoma City. He sent about 8,000 videos. And you wouldn't watch one of his videos and say, gosh, you know, I could watch a half-hour TV show featuring this guy, right? He's just not, he's not dynamic um, per se. He's just there to connect with people, to build some relationship, to prove his, his expertise, um, to demonstrate his extremely high level of competency about the work that he does. And he knows he can do it better in a simple video in many cases, especially early in the relationship, just mm -hmm. as you offered there. Uh, and so he's just, his, his videos are, he's just very, very matter of fact. He's not a fast speaker. He's a, So if you're telling yourself, I, I'm not these things, don't worry about it. You don't have to be. You do not have to be a dynamic person. You just have to be a person. Yeah, if you've ever set <laughs> if you've ever set an appointment successfully, showed up for it and gotten the deal done. If you have ever uh, had to go into a meeting and convince three people that this is the right direction for the project and you've done this thing successfully, congratulations, you're qualified for this style of video. You know, this isn't about having, <laughs> you know, lights and a microphone and hosting, you know, some some amazing expose of you know, this, that, or the other thing, you know, here's a, we're going to tour medieval castles of Europe and I'm your host and blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just about, is this better than if I typed out the same message? Would it get through more, more effectively? Would people have that sense of connection to me? And that's what this is about. We're doing what we're doing for human connection. I had a, a very similar conversation two weeks ago with a guy, um, Aaron Bach. He's the VP of software or VP the, yeah, of software at Four Winds Interactive in Denver. And we had met at a like a big celebrity C-suite event. And that was our immediate initial connection. We weren't talking about technology, about his company, about my company. And just about the bad interactions that are out there for people. And the marketing funnel email. Hey, can I get 15 minutes on your calendar? Yeah. And Hey, I noticed you haven't responded yet. And I'm just like, it's because your email sucks. <laughs> right. And then the, but the personal side of it, you, you mentioned to sell as human. One of my other favorite books is let's get real or let's not play. And in that book, 
he talks about when you're writing an email or setting up an agenda for a meeting is going, there's probably not going to be a next step here. You know, timing, budget, competition, status quo, whatever it is. It's like, can we just sit down and have a conversation? And I'll tell people that and it blows their mind. And, and he, and the author in that book was very specific about using the words or not. And it's like, we all kind of know how business works, right? There's, there's a funnel. It's a numbers game. We get that, but you know, for us to partner here, you have to have a need has to be the right timing, the right solution, blah, 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 blah. It's like, can we just relax for like 30 minutes and talk to each other? (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it because it takes, it takes the, the biggest concern or objection off the table right away, which is if I take this appointment, someone's going to try to drive me somewhere that I may not be prepared to go. So if you can take that off the table right away and establish that we may not be going anywhere and I'm okay with that, but we need to talk about it to figure it out. um, It it just sets people at ease. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that several times and people don't actually ever believe it. And I'll just tell them like, yeah, and and I, I will admit there's a little sales psychology mixed in there, but it it in, we started the conversation before recording about core values, right? And I'll just say, relax. <laughs> you know, so I've got an appointment at you know four. I've got an appointment tomorrow at nine. Another one at eleven on Thursday. It's like we're good, and it's like and then at the end of it, the only outcome I want to have after a sales meeting is that at least I'm respected. Liked would be good too, but respected that I didn't, I was respectful that I didn't waste your time, that I told the truth about whatever. And then from there, then we can start really trying to take over the world and do some damage, you know? So I don't know. I, I sell very differently than a lot of other people. Uh, and you're probably uh, disarming, which I think is a winning play immediately. Again, I mean, that's the whole idea of, of leading so let's go back to the, those cold emails that are terrible. <laughs> Please. Um, you know, it's part, it's typically part of a sales cadence, you know, a sales engagement strategy to get someone to bite and maybe schedule a calendar uh, appointment or, you know, take a phone call from one of your business development reps or sales development reps or whatever. We've seen that when you mix a video with the phone call and you maybe refer back and forth to the other. So if you're going to lead with a phone call, you're inevitably you're going to get voicemail because no one answers their phone anymore, yep. especially not from a, um, a phone number they don't recognize. And, and you leave the voicemail and say, Hey, by the way, I'm going to be in your inbox. Um, and, uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then you show up in a video and you can say, Hey, you know, I'm the guy that left that voicemail. I just want to put a face with the name, let you know that I'm here to, to uh, answer any questions about this, that, or the other thing, this, this kind of mixing it into that process and, and disarming somebody. Right. And, and again, to your sales psychology piece, and you, we leaned on uh, Robert Cialdini's uh, Principles of Influence and Persuasion. That book blew my mind. Yeah, it's great. And, <laughs> and and it does all those things, right? There's a sense of reciprocity, like, ah, they gave me a few minutes of my time. They demonstrated that they did a little bit of homework, you know, by by maybe drawing your logo or, you know, speaking specifically to a couple things I learned on your LinkedIn profile, but actually doing it, right? Not just token gestures of you know, auto insert variable fields into the email body that say, you know, <laughs> in this role at this company, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
it, it's also the same disarming effect of like, ah, oh, this, this is just a regular dude just trying to do his thing and, and this may be a value to me or not. And I guess I have a few minutes to explore that uh, in conversation. Yeah, those first meetings, if you could templatize them, it's probably, hey, you're dreading the conversation with the salesperson. He's pretending to be interested for three to seven minutes while you're trying to establish some generic rapport. And then, oh, by the way, here's all my yeah. <laughs> marketing materials that let me try to sell you on what that is. Yeah. Oh, let me walk you it? through my 87 slide uh, presentation here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're looking at my sales materials. You can't see it, but it's a pen and it's a pat. I'll go in and sit down and just like, so what are we talking about here? You know, and, and that's it. But that Cialdini book, I read about that from Daniel Pink. And he said, if you don't do anything else, and that's one of my uh, red flags in a book, as they say, if you don't take anything else away from this. And I bought the, the audio book and I bought the print book. And I just remember listening to that. And just driving down the road, either laughing because it's like these principles have been done to me or just becoming aware of them and like just shaking my head and just bewilderment. Like the book is absolutely brilliant in terms of psychology of uh, persuasion. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, Influence is is the one uh, we're talking about. Also persuasion. Uh, this idea of essentially setting the idea, having having someone arrive at, at the conclusion that you both want to arrive at, but they kind of do it on their own. It's kind of one of those underlying things. But the interesting thing is, um, it's just how we work, right? These these principles of, of influence and persuasion, you know, if you're cognizant of them and you can uh, kind of play to them a little bit, that's great. But regardless of whether or not you are leveraging them as tactics or or not, this is just how we work. This is just how humans operate, yeah. you know? So when you do someone a kindness or demonstrate that you've given some amount of your time, that's why we do handwritten notes. It's to say, I took a few minutes out of my day uh, to get this thing written out for you. It's why I'm so, um, I just despise those services that are fake handwritten notes. They either have, <laughs> honestly, there, there are services where yeah. they, they it's, it's either machine done and it looks handwritten or... Um, they have real humans writing the the notes. They're, it's not really? you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't read know about that, that part. one too. Yeah, no. it's a whole network of people who apparently are. Um, I mean, gosh, talk about the gig economy. Like that's a that's a bad gig in the gig economy, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but it's you know you know this idea of faking mm. that you took the time to say thank you or congratulations or whatever the handwritten note is about um, just blows my mind. It's just the spirit of it is so ill to me, like faking that, right? Because, because the whole gesture is meant to say, it it isn't to communicate the words or else you would have typed it up as a text message or email. The implication of doing it as a handwritten note is to say, I took a little bit of time out of my day to say thank you or congratulations or well done or whatever the case may be. And that immediately prompts in us just going to the principles of influence and persuasion is a sense of reciprocity, right? Like, oh gosh, they've done this kindness. They've taken some time out of their day and video, uh, a, a, you know, a 30 second video doing some of the similar things. I regard it in some cases as um, the new handwritten note. Uh, I think there's still a place for a traditional handwritten note, but a, but a truly personal video for all these reasons I just, or, or in all these opportunities I just described, say thank you, congratulations, whatever. Um, 
is the same thing. It's meant to say, I took a moment out of my day to stop and think about you and let you know I have a positive thought for you. And when you can do it, when you look someone in the eye and you can communicate it with that extra sincerity and gratitude that that don't come through your handwriting, mine is terrible. In fact, some I, might feel yeah. like I'm assaulting them simply by putting words on paper <laughs> in, in my terrible, terrible handwriting. Um, uh, it's just a really winning play. And so anyway, um, point being, uh, the principles of influence, they just work. They just, that's just how we operate. Right. If you ever need um, extra thank you card envelopes, I have a bunch because I will, like you talked about your handwriting, I will, you know, I, I like um, those paper mate kind of like felt tip markers or like the gel pens and I'll either smudge it or I'll be writing along and be like, how do I spell that? And I'll like screw it up and I throw the card away. So I always have out of like a pack of so 50 funny. note cards. <laughs> I love the gratitude as a service. You can outsource mm-hmm. the thank you notes. That's crazy. I hadn't even heard of that. Yeah, it's there. There are several now. It's, it's a, there are at least four or five companies doing some version of that. Some of them will even let you. Um, I feel like I'm selling them. Um, some of them will either will even take your handwriting and and mimic it. Of course. Huh. I just don't appreciate the spirit of it. No. It's, it's like. Yeah. It's it's fake sincerity. I think you mm-hmm. said that before. Um, well, speaking of not fake sincerity. And we had touched on this before um, in in values. What are the core values of BombBomb? And what does that look like for this company and that customer experience? I think one of the reasons we made it here, I don't know what the odds are, but this is we're a software company based in Colorado Springs, started about a decade ago, founded a decade ago. I don't know what the odds are that we would have made it this far. We're now about 125 people serving about 45,000 customers <clears throat> all around the world. And I, I am convinced that the alignment of our core values, which have been in place since our CEO and one of our co-founders uh, woke up in the middle of the night and just had this essentially a vision or something for the core values. He just started writing out mm-hmm. these, you know, these, these, these statements and they've, They've evolved a couple times, but we've essentially been operating the same way from the same set of values for years. And I think the way the values align with the product and service when used in its intended purpose uh, is part of the reason that we've made it as far as we have. And those values are relationships, it's the number one value overall, fun, humility, flexibility, and service. And I think when you're operating from, which are just all basic marks of a a good, solid human being, if you're someone who is relationship-oriented, who uh, brings fun uh, or joy or a joyful approach to work, um, are are humble enough to know that you don't know everything and that everything you do could always be done better and that you need to keep working at it, the flexibility to change. I mean, gosh, we've we've made a lot of very important decisions very uh, quickly. Um, some of them are very difficult and this flexibility and the ability for everyone to get along, uh, on board and, and move in a new direction quickly has been really helpful. <laughs> and of course, the spirit of service, uh, is great in, in all, all of the roles that we play in our lives. For me, it's husband, father, coworker, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, operating in a spirit of service is always a winning play. And so I think these are marks of a good, decent human being. Um, 
But in addition, they're aligned with what we're trying to do, which is uh, rehumanize business communication uh, in order to rehumanize the planet. And we can get into that that last statement because it's a big one uh, separately. But when you are send, if you send two thousand videos, you are definitely operating according to some or all of our core values. We hear from a lot of people that's just a more fun way to work. I have better relationships with people. I get to be myself. I get to bring my messages to life. It's a fun thing to do. Typically, you're operating in a spirit of service in responding to inquiries, whether it's a customer support or customer service inquiry, or it's a customer inquiry or a prospect inquiry, um, and and adding some additional value there. Um, The humility, this is, I'm, there's a humility in just being who you are. I also think this goes back to what I was saying before about thinking you have to be a particular type of personality to be successful using video and and that you do not have to be a specific type of person to win with this style of video. If you're a if you're a quiet humble servant, you're going to be a quiet humble servant on video and that quiet humble servant who you are is a significant part of how you got to where you are and why people right. say yes to you in the variety of uh, situations that they might say yes, whether again, it's directly in selling or indirectly in selling an idea or an opportunity. Um, and so that's really going to come through. And, and of course, this is a relationships first approach. We want to, to provide that psychological proximity, even in the absence of physical proximity. And again, the, the benefit of recording and sending videos is that you can do it when it's convenient for you and someone can open it up and experience you in person when it's convenient for them. So it overcomes both time and distance. Uh, so we have a number of customers in the UK, a uh, number of customers in Australia, far different time zones. It's hard to connect directly by phone to do um, uh, direct service. Uh, whether it's a you know a sales call or a, or a service call, and so this ability just to answer someone's question and be who you are and and to do it at seven in the morning your time and they can open it up when it's convenient for them and then tracking closes that loop and so um, this is a relationship first play if you are very transaction minded uh, you're probably going to find it inconvenient to record a, a forty five second video for the five people who showed up in your inbox as sales opportunities today and you may not honestly you may not have time to do it we have a number of customers who um, use pre-recorded videos as well. And not every video needs to be personal. Not every video needs to be one-to-one. Uh, but if you're relationship-oriented, this is going to be something that 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 really works for you. And so uh, we think this more human approach is a winning play. We think the pendulum has swung too far toward some of the stuff you've, you've alluded to before, <laughs> which is, you know, the, these automated <clears throat> messages that the machines shoot out you know, in sequence. This happens day one. This happens day three. This happens day six. Yep. This happens day seven. And there's a place for that too, but but again, the message here is that the pendulum has swung too far, and we've become over reliant on these things just happening for us. And if someone shows up on our calendar, great. I think what gets lost there is the result. If the result is actually to fill up your calendar with appointments, and it's probably worth time blocking 15 minutes to send quick personal videos or record a video that day to send to all the people who fit this criteria, um, whatever that criteria might be. And and so it's going to feel personal to them because you're speaking to where you last left off. Um, So that's our goal. Above all, our mission is to rehumanize the planet. And it sounds ambitious and lofty. And the goal isn't to get turn everyone into a bomb bomb customer. It's really that the company is a vehicle for our co-founders. And then as a consequence, all of us, um, because of the lead that they've set, um, 
to to help the dehumanized on the planet. There are a number of people who are dehumanized in a variety of ways. So one of the projects that we're involved in is helping a school outside Katali, Kenya. Uh, they take orphans off the streets in Katali with their blessing, of course, and provide them meals, provide them schooling. It is a business model that is about teaching people skills that are uh, able to be commercialized. And so they're teaching them farming. They're teaching them uh, handling uh, chickens and eggs. They're teaching them to fix uh, cars, right? And so any skill that they can teach that can be turned into revenue to further support the mission of that effort and to send the child off when he or she is of age off into the world with a skill that they can they can trade on, um, all the better. Um, so we're involved with them. We're involved here in Colorado Springs with the Springs Rescue Mission, which is uh, in common parlance a homeless shelter. But they align with our core values is that they meet people where they are. They accept everybody and they respect the, the integrity um, and the intrinsic value of every human that encounters them uh, at whatever point they are in their life and their needs at that time. We also work with Mary's Home, which is a... Um, Part of Dreamforce, uh, Dream, Dreamforce centers. Uh, I think I got that right, uh, but it's one of their multiple uh, 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 programs that they're running. And what we do with them, they help single moms. The only restriction is that um, that they're clean of drugs and alcohol, and they house them. They send their kids to school. Um, they teach them basic life skills that a lot of people uh, never develop. Sadly, um, like how to do laundry, how mm -hmm. to prepare healthy meals for your family. Just these basic things that so many of us uh, who've been privileged enough to be raised by uh, competent, loving parents can oftentimes uh, be missed. And so, you know, we're, when, when, a, when a woman uh, leaves there with her children, uh, we go in there and, you know, tidy the apartment back up, get it back up to standards so that a new family can move back in. We do. We planted gardens outside their facility. We do a trunk or treat around Halloween uh, with them. We do a variety <laughs> of different stuff with them, and it's so. That's what this. That's what rehumanization looks like for us at a really practical level. So we donate our time and our money. The company almost always matches uh, any financial participation there, and it's that's what we're doing. And we just happen to be able to do it by selling software that helps people rehumanize their business communication. But to bring it all back. That alignment of mission, the commercialized opportunity, and the core values, the alignment there that this is about operating in a more human position for the benefit of building relationship, uh, which is where most humans come alive, even those of us who are um, uh, introverts. I'm an introvert in general. <laughs> You're faking it very well. I, I really enjoy my I really enjoy my own company, which isn't to say <clears throat> I don't enjoy the company of others, but um, but we all thrive in human relationship. Sure. And so that's what we're all about. Well, and the, the values, you know, I had come across that years and years ago. And I think it was in Richard Branson's book, like, you know, what does your company stand for? Right. And the fact that, and this is not going to be like a social media rant, but like in the past in, with the prevalence of social media and, being more connected, but less connected in the human capacity <clears throat> and the, the rehumanization, like you're not going to correct that problem, but you've seen three very distinct needs where you're going to have an impact on a couple hundred people, a couple thousand people. Well, that's making a thousand worlds a little bit smaller and you're doing what you can, 
and I think that's really cool. And it's the, yeah, people will, I've limited my social media use and my phone use. And there's a couple people I've had to coach up that, Hey, if you don't hear from me for like a day, I am not ignoring you. I'm probably not even looking at my phone, but that's the expectation, right? It's like mm-hmm. instant access. And then, you know, and I was thinking too, I heard on, um, probably NPR, there were, uh, people talking about Twitter. I caught the last little bit of it, but there was somebody who was obviously right wing, somebody who was obviously left wing. <clears throat> and they were talking about what Twitter was designed to do and how it's devolved. And I don't even really touch it anymore, but I'm wondering like if it wasn't bomb bomb or if they weren't trying to blow each other up via video and they could actually see who was on the other side of that keyboard and get as close as they could as to having a coffee you're probably not that much different. And then if it's really hard to insult somebody to their face. Exactly right. So a really, really important piece for me at the time, I've had the privilege of uh, when I joined the company, I came out of uh, local television. I'd run marketing inside local TV stations in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in Chicago, and out here in Colorado Springs. And I had the privilege of joining the company very, very early. And so I just started developing this narrative. So I was able to write the book. It's just collected best practices of our CMO and me over the past several years, best stories, best examples, tips, et cetera. And a lot of that was formed. I've written, I don't know, four or 500 blog posts for the company. And uh, so I've, so I've been carrying some of these ideas and narratives and, and figuring out, you know, and customer success stories. Like, what is this really all about? And a really great piece that a friend of mine put in front of me uh, several years back was called The Epidemic of Facelessness. And it was an opinion hmm. piece published in the New York Times. It was actually um, an important basis for a TEDx talk I was able to create and deliver. Uh, I also do a drive-by on it in, in Rehumanize Your Business. And it's a much darker read than, than my book or the, or the, or the TED Talk <laughs> yeah. I delivered. But it gets to kind of the dark side of what you're talking about. And Twitter is a character in that essay in that it's this, you know, kind of that keyboard warrior type person hiding behind the cloak of digital anonymity, not having to face someone. And it's 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 just such a – as ugly as, as the beha- human behavior is just such a beautiful piece of writing for what he's able to weave together there about, um, uh, you know, he leans on the the Jewish French philosopher Emmanuel Levinas and you know um, um, the eye uh, and seeing through the eye and in in looking each other in the eye we see all of humanity and he just drives by a number of just really important fundamental ideas. Um, philosophical and practical about the importance of eye-to-eye, face-to-face communication. So it spoke to me immediately, and I've leaned on it a number of times. Um, <clears throat> and, and that ugly behavior that you talk about, that we would never do some of the things that we do online, you know, in the in the <laughs> mainstream media on Facebook in particular, the idea, never read the comments, I can't like, so our local newspaper, (laughs) some of the local uh, television stations, you know, I, you know, I I pay attention to local news a little bit. um, But this idea of like, never read the comments. And and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's, you know, so many just trite phrases where you throw other people under the bus simply for the implication of what political 
um, team they might be on, even though most of us are somewhere in the middle and we're not sitting on a bench in uniform for either (laughs) either side of this thing. You know, most (laughs) of us are just like, you know, we're somewhere in the middle. Um, but, but it's just so much ugly behavior. So anyway, I highly recommend that piece. Um, I'll look it up. It's still available. I just read it again a couple months ago. Uh, it was published around 2015. And the guy's name is Stephen March, uh, M-A-R-C-H-E. Really good piece. My friend owns a wheel company in uh, <clears throat> Ogden, Utah, and he's had some stuff reviewed on some bike sites. And you would, the comment section is just like a moth to a flame, right? And just the people like roasting the product that they've never had in their hands, never tested, never. It was like, ah, oh, this is all marketing BS, blah, 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 blah. And I wanted to try to figure out a way maybe for like an April fool's prank or legitimately launch a product and try to make it so benign. This would just be a thought experiment that nobody could have a negative comment. Yeah. <laughs> and I think even water, don't test me, bro. <laughs> Someone out there is thinking that, like, don't, I got some for that. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, the most essential building block to life on this planet, water, like, somebody would flame it and just go, ah, that doesn't taste that good. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it just drives me crazy. Yeah. YouTube is especially <clears throat> bad. You know, we'll, we'll oftentimes oh. put videos on multiple social channels and, the YouTube comments are typically the worst. I don't know what it is. And it's interesting then. So you, you have this culture, right? Correct. And, and Jack Dorsey from uh, from Twitter is doing – he's doing a lot of interviews lately. And so I think whatever you heard from him, I've heard him on a couple podcasts recently too. So he's really making the rounds on this. And I think they're just trying to clean that up a little bit or create awareness or acknowledge that we know that this is an issue. You know, Facebook has, has, been, has been called to account on a number of issues including – uh, some of these types of things. And, you know, it's a, it's a negative part of the YouTube experience for me to see comments uh, that are just outrageous and over the top. It's just, it just kind of comes back to, again, what is it like to be around here? What, what is standard here? What's mm-hmm. normal? What's it like to be here? And some of them can be unpleasant places to hang out. I spend time on Instagram and Reddit for those reasons, right? And Reddit, I've tried to explain it to people that don't use it. And the fact that there's moderators and people can be downvoted, And yeah, if you ever want to just despair for humanity, go read YouTube comments on any video. It doesn't matter what it it could be like. Here's how to saw a board, right? Somebody will downvote it or thumbs down it and then somebody will post something nasty. It's like, really? That's what you're, this is is your mark on the universe. There was one uh, video I had seen a couple years ago. I'll dig it up and send it to you. But they had specifically selected people that were as it was a british video completely polar opposite so black and white young and old you know whatever just they mixed them up and so they had recorded them just basically interacting and just having a great time and they were i think they had to work on a puzzle or something like that there was some little task they had to do and they were getting along just great and then the lights in this kind of big studio went down And then there are two video screens behind like you and behind me. And then they played the video of people. They had asked them like a generic question about the population group that they were going to sit down with. And so there was one person like, oh, this group, like I hate them because they're ignorant and blah, blah, blah. And then 
they had just spent 15 minutes face to face, eye to eye, building a relationship. And in the specific, they were great. And in the generalities, then they're watching that and then just sort of like, then they would actually talk about it. And so it was productive. It was sort of like a gotcha moment. It wasn't a prank show, but it was really them just like, oh, I, oh, that's what my parents taught me or whatever it was, the racism and the sexism and the, and all that stuff. And it was just, I, I watched that several times. The first time I saw it showed my kids and I was like, just get to know somebody, just look at them. Yeah, and you said that earlier, just a little bit of uh, exposure to another person is going to walk all that stuff out. Yeah. We have a lot more in common than we have different. Yeah. So take me through the, the book. So on April 16th, you're going to be a published author. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, was that a grind? How bad was that? Um, you know, I, I knew I knew a couple years ago that I was going to write a book. At the time, I thought it was going to be the story of the company. Uh, there's been so many interesting and challenging and exciting and funny turns along the way. Uh, but as I got into that, I, I just struggled to get excited about that. A, I mean, who do we think we are? You know, what have we actually accomplished? You know, uh, and, and B, the audience for me is not an audience that I know especially well or have, have a, would, would be personally motivated by. And that would be like, who would that book be for? Like, startup founders or someone, something like that. Not that I don't appreciate and respect the work that they do, but it's not, that's not my people. And I just couldn't get that excited about it. Whereas uh, it occurred to me as I hit my six year anniversary of full-time work here at BombBomb, um, just really how far we had come that we've truly pioneered this style of video with and through our customers um, over the years. Uh, which isn't to say that there aren't other companies that do a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but I'll go out on a limb and say no one's got the database and community of active video senders, simple personal webcam and smartphone videos for the purpose of building relationships and growing business. Um, and and I was just really excited about that. It's really, I was just, had this new, it happens every time I get an unsolicited positive uh, video from a customer telling me a, a new application or an outcome that they got, you know, a new way to use video or a, or a great result they received. Um, I get all lit back up again, but I just, I dwelled in it for a little while. And so I knew at that time that had been fall of, um, uh, 2017, I think. And, uh, so I just kind of stewed on it a little bit. It just sat in the background. And then over the summer, uh, last summer of 2018, um, I started outlining it and I started writing it between like five and six in the morning in a half day on a Saturday or a Sunday, something like that. I also took care to reread books written by people who I knew and then reaching out to them to see if they would talk about a, how did you actually write this book? What was that process actually like, mm-hmm. was it in one hour blasts like I've been doing, or was it, you know, close the door in a room and write a book for two weeks straight and be done with it, you know, not sleep, um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then also how did you go to market with it? Some of these had been self-published. Some of them were published by, by, uh, uh, publishers like Wiley, who's publishing our book. And, um, so that, that was an interesting process for me to learn how people had gotten the work done and. So then, you know, what some people pressed me on was, you know, is this a book for you or is this a book for BombBomb? What is this about? And um, and so, 
I started shopping it internally a little bit when I was at, you know, five, six, seven thousand words. And there was there was an appetite for it. People were excited about it. Um, and so so the book that I outlined and, and started writing was this really the practical what is this relationships? We call it relationships through video. And we hold it in contrast to marketing through video. When most people think of video in a business context, they think lights and scripts and all these other things we've already talked about, you know, a homepage video or a television commercial or a film trailer or some highly produced thing. And so we we draw that line. And, and while marketing through video is excellent, and if you're doing it, keep doing it. If you're not doing it, you should consider doing it. You should consider hiring it out or hiring someone in in order to do it, like whatever. Regardless of whether or not you're doing that, every single one of us has an opportunity to participate in this relationships through video movement. So what is this movement? Who are its practitioners? Why does this matter? Mm-hmm. How do I actually do it? So we walk through, there are a couple chapters on the real practical considerations and it's not about bomb bomb. We talk about other ways to send videos and email, other ways to send videos and text message, other ways to send video and social messaging. Um, and then we have some advanced strategies as well. What happens when I send a video email to a list of people, um, how do I follow up on the people who didn't open it or opened it but didn't play the video? What if I send a video email to one person, they opened it, they played the video, but they didn't reply? What are some follow-up strategies there? And so um, some really, really practical stuff there. So it's, it's the it's the who, what, when, when in my day-to-day would I send a video instead of text? When do I stick with a traditional text email versus a video email? So we walk through all that and, and, and the goal there is just to really get this message out there. I think we will be a better business world, better business community if more of us are more relationship-minded and take care to send our true selves a little bit more often and take the time in our day to respond to inquiries in a really direct way. And I think the people who make it a habit report again, A, that it's more effective, more replies to my emails, higher lead conversion, more clicks through my emails to the places I'm sending them, a greater ability to stay in touch. If staying in touch with the people in your database is valuable to your business, this is a great habit for you to form. Uh, Higher incidence of referral. So a number of practical business outcomes, uh, but it's also more satisfying. This is something I have not done the research on, but I have a feeling it's rooted in Again, this this authenticity, vulnerability, being who I am, being comfortable in my own skin, being able to demonstrate my personality, whether it's a big boisterous personality or whether it's just, again, that humble servant who's maybe plain spoken or soft spoken. This idea that I can be who I am at work um, and, and get better results as a consequence of that. There's something there that I really look forward to trying to get at from a research perspective over the next couple of years. So... I got excited about it. The company got excited about it. I narrowed down my two preferred go-to-market strategies as one, uh, a publishing deal with Wiley, or two, uh, a do-it-yourself with Greenleaf, which is a really kind of high-end um, a la carte uh, self-publishing model. And so when we looked at the benefits and costs of both of them, uh, we opted to go with a deal that that, that Wiley uh, um gave us based on the book proposal that I wrote. That was another thing I had to figure out how to write a proposal or the A that I had to write a proposal if I wanted to shop this idea. Um, and then how do you get that done? And, um, so I put a proposal in front of Wiley. This is just a a nugget for anyone that's thinking about going this route. Um, and, and our, our editor, Richard Naramore said two things, actually said three things that I'll mention. One was, it feels like it might be early. 
Hmm. I don't know a lot of people doing this. I don't know what the market for this um, this practice is. I, I have never received a video email myself. Um, and, and interestingly, the, the team of people he presented it to that greenlighted the project um, had never received video emails either. So that was an interesting thing. But they, but they, they recognized because of the way the market around video is moving that, that there would be an appetite for it. Um, but, but specifically two things. One, um, before we move this forward, uh, I need to see that this is going to be the tip of the spear for your lead generation efforts for the next 18 to 24 months. Hmm. Code language, I need you to make a commitment to purchase more copies of this book. <laughs> Code language, okay. I, need you to, I need you to mitigate my risk and assure that we're going to get some of our costs back. Um, and so because the company knows that, that if we use this as a send ahead or a leave behind or we take this to the right trade show, it's just, I mean, frankly... It's a $25 cover price, but it only it's only going to cost us, you know, $12, $13 per, per copy at volume. And so that was an easy yes for us. Yes, we'll increase our commitment to, to purchase some of our own book. And then we'll we'll give them away. It's I mean, I, there are a number of ways that your company might waste $12 or $13 on marketing <laughs> and, and binding up in yeah. one convenient package that everyone's familiar with. Your best ideas, your best customer success stories, why someone should participate in this, some self-identification uh, passages in there that this is going to be something that's for you and hand-holding people through the how and when and why of, uh, of why this company exists. That's a, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty decent $12 or $13 marketing spend. So one is prepare if you want a publishing deal and you're not a brand name. We're not Amazon. We're not Facebook. We're not Microsoft. We're not, you know, we're not a brand name uh, yet. And and I've never written a book. My co-author, Steve Passanelli, our CMO, had never written a book. So unpublished authors from a company that a lot of people, most people on earth have not heard of. Um, be prepared to purchase your own book uh, in order to mitigate their risk. And, and, and in, I think a lot of cases, it's going to make sense for you to do so. It certainly made sense to us. So that was, that was one big thing. And then the other one was, who is your co-author? I was like, what do you mean? I'm writing this book. And uh, he's like, no, uh, you don't travel enough. You don't speak enough. That's going to be one of the most effective oh. ways to get this book into people's hands and get these ideas put forth. So is that your CEO and co-founder? Is it Connor McCluskey? Or is it your president and co-founder, Darren Dawson? I was like, no, those guys aren't actually unlike some CEOs. They're not public faces per se. They don't spend a lot of time and energy being the face of the company. Really, they're they're operating as much as anything. You know, In general, Connor's the, the strategy and the vision, uh, and Darren is the strategy and the execution. So they, you know, they they lead the team, and but but they're not out there like a lot of other CEOs are. A lot of CEOs are real figurehead types, and they're really practical. Uh, sleeves rolled up, hands dirty, in the guts of the business guys, which I really like and respect, and they're they're really fun to work with and a, and a privilege to work for. Uh, but I immediately knew that that the guy that or gal that uh, that they were asking about was a guy, Steve Passanelli, our CMO. He is a very prolific uh, speaker. He's delivered over a thousand presentations. He's truly excellent at it. We already work side by side every day, even though he's in Philadelphia and I'm in Colorado Springs. We work by Zoom, uh, but we spend typically an hour or more a day working synchronously through video side hmm. by side in a shared Google Doc or Google Sheet or whatever the case may be. 
um, were in meetings or whatever. And so I immediately knew it was going to be Steve uh, for a couple reasons. One, we work great together. Uh, two, he fits the criteria of what Richard was suggesting is, is uh, necessary and helpful for a book like this. Um, and, and, and three, I knew he would bring two things, and he truly did. He brought two things to the project that the book would have been a much more boring and academic book without him. Is one is one way I'll bottom line it. He brought a much stronger sales perspective to the book. Um, I'm a I'm a brand marketer and writer and content producer by background, uh, whereas he came up as a salesperson. He sold all kinds of things from cars to Cutco knives to software to all kinds of stuff. He's a sales guy through and through. Just happens to be an excellent marketer. So he brought a much better uh, sales presence and mentality to the book. In addition, he he was the reader advocate. So as I'm, you know, cruising ahead and, you know, filling out the outline um, uh, and, and writing it chapter by chapter, he's reading behind me, hey, this story would be great here. Hey, you should read this article. It'll really inform this section. Um, and, and then from a reader advocacy standpoint, based on something he does on stage all the time, if someone is not taking a note or holding up their phone and shooting a photo of your slide or laughing, uh, every you know three to five minutes, you're losing them. And he thought the same thing about the book. So he would, you know, there were several comments that he would leave in the Google Doc that we were working in, like, um, "Hey, you know, it's been too long since we've had a tip or a takeaway or a highlight or a write me down." Um, and so uh, he would make those recommendations throughout. And so it was just a really nice give and take. Um, it was fun to work with a co-author on it instead of just doing it myself. And I think it's a better uh, product as a result. That's awesome. It sounds like a, a great way to <clears throat> get the the company message out, the values out, give away some things that are like strategies, but not giving away the farm and just like, we're here to help. And here's a way using our software and our people. It sounds like just a, a phenomenal, I hate to use the word content marketing piece, because I think it, it would minimize your passion for it and your effort for it, but just sort of your experience, your company and and what it does. And what I've loved about this conversation is you haven't really said, <clears throat> you know, platform and you haven't been talking about a product. It, it's all been, you know, so focused on the relationships. And I think that book would be just an amazing way to, to get that message out there. Thank you. It was, um, it was our book to write. I think, I think for all the reasons we've already, I've already monologued on, um, you know, I, I think people need and want this book. The fact that you are consciously managing your access to social media and you're consciously identifying the fact that there are these stupid little flame wars going on in the comments threads <laughs> of, of things that just, A, the, the subject of the video or the social media post or whatever just isn't that important to to incite that strong a response, but people are doing it anyway. Like the time is right for this, I think. Again, just going back to the pendulum thing, um, it's time to restore a, a, a face and a personality and a voice. We all just deeply long to be seen and heard. And understood as humans, just as we deeply long to connect with it, with each other. And so this ability to put yourself forth, of course, you are going to be seen and heard and understood and, and felt as well. But the other powerful thing here, just going back to the sense of reciprocity and some of the stuff that we were on just a bit back, 
when you speak to someone very specifically about their needs or their concerns or their objections or their opportunity and you take a minute and 47 seconds out of your afternoon to record a video where you say, hey, Mary, I totally understand where you're coming from. I want to share with you this, that, and the other thing. And I want to remind you of this other thing. And if you're still on board, here's the next step. When you can let Mary know that you truly have seen and heard and understood her and you know what her needs are and you present some opportunities to move forward, that's meaningful to her as well. And so, um, you know, we can get into the technology of it, but frankly, your lighting doesn't matter if they can see your face. Your microphone doesn't super matter as long as they can hear your voice. The framing doesn't super matter, although you can, all of these little things that prevent us from sending our first video are all things that are going to be worked out over time. I, I'm thinking of a customer that's that he's in the opening story, the opening chapter of the book, uh, which we don't we won't go into that story because I'm already long winded enough. But and you can read it in the first chapter. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but I think of his initial videos. We've communicated with video. He's in Michigan. I'm in Colorado. Uh, I met him in person for the first time uh, about a year ago. Uh, although I felt like I had known him for years. And over time, I'm thinking about the videos that he sent because I often share his examples with people because he's given me permission and he does a great job. His presentation has improved. His The way he set up his camera in his office has improved. He has a logo on the wall that he lights. Mm. You know, there's just these small things that he over, over time, all these things will work out. And so if you're looking for an excuse not to get started, you are sure to find 10 of them. <laughs> right. And I discourage you from from settling and, and stopping yourself before you ever start in earnest because all those things are going to work out in time. My first videos were goofy and awkward and terrible by comparison to the ones that I send now. And even the ones that I send now, someone that I send it to is going to say, gosh, that's goofy and awkward and I would never do that and I don't like this guy and whatever. It's all fine. Like – if someone wants to make those judgments about you, they're probably not the right person to be working with anyway. Yep, exactly. So anyway, that's just a little, you should do it. Uh, pep talk <laughs> there. You know, you're going to, you're going to have all the reasons you want not to do it. It's, un, it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's a new skill. Uh, but I'll tell you, I was talking with a gentleman today who reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. Um, I'm starting mine in May. Um, would you be willing to have a conversation to share some tips that you've learned in, in, I've only recorded like 25 episodes. So you're, you know, you're well ahead of me, uh, already here on this podcast, but this is a guy who had, I think two episodes in the bag and had been listening to mine. And, um, you know, I, one of the things I was excited about for him was whether you're going to use what you learn through podcasting to be better at video or whether you, in my case, it was, you learn what what you can from sending hundreds and hundreds of videos before I did my first webinar. And then I did a webinar and then I sent hundreds or even thousands more videos and I got a stage presentation. And then I became a podcast host and all these skills are transferable. Absolutely. So um, no matter where you are, you have skills that are transferable into being successful and communicating through video. And if you don't or you don't see them, start doing video and those skills will, will transfer as well. I think it's the misconception that your first effort has to be perfect. Anything creative and your first podcast, your first article, your first video, your first 
song, your first page you write in a book, blah, 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 on and on and on. <clears throat> it's going to be trash. And the fact that you assume that you see somebody who is light years down the road, like a musician or Tim Ferriss or somebody with all that stuff, you don't see the outtakes. You don't like the first episodes are always going to be bad. And it's like, but where do you start? You have to have a step one and just give it a shot. And yeah, and just go, it might be crap, but that is going to be better than zero. Yep. I, one of my mantras as I was writing the book was you can't edit what isn't written. Right. So, right. so I can't edit any of my own work. Steve can't respond to any of the material that I've written if it doesn't exist. And that's to say any of these efforts, anything that we want to be basically good at, if you don't start, you're never going to get there. Uh, you cannot edit. And by that, I mean, improve, mm-hmm. optimize, whatever. You can't edit what isn't written. So if you if you have never written a blog post or you've never recorded a video or you've never recorded a podcast, you're never going to get better at these things. Playing the trombone, playing basketball, playing chess, <laughs> learning French, whatever you know, anything you want to have basic proficiency in. There's a there, you should have a reasonable expectation that you need to practice, and you're never going to get there if you do not start. Yeah. Well, and you'd mentioned Dan Pink reviewed your book, or did he do a, an intro, or what did yep, he? Yep, he. Um, <clears throat> uh, I just reached out to him with a video email. I said, "Now you'll you'll like this one. I'm going to get it a little bit wrong, but it, the subject line was uh, something like on page 178 of To Sell as Human dot dot dot. Right. So boom, it shows up in his inbox. I sent it to um, uh, uh, an email address you can find anywhere online, and I immediately got an auto reply that said. Hey, this inbox is just overwhelmed with with email. I'm not going to respond to this. If you really want to get through, fill this form out. And so I filled the form out and did the same thing there. But I ended up getting a reply to that original email. And then in the video thumbnail, I I quoted what was written on page. I'm making the number up. It might be 178. It might be 187 or I might be way off. But it was he he spoke about video in that book. He said Mm. it blends the um, the efficiency of digital communication with the warmth of your voice and your personality, something like that. And so I quoted him on my little whiteboard and then said, hey, you know, introduce myself, let him know I was writing a book, let him know that I leaned on his teaching and philosophy that I had uh, read as soon as the book came out. I had seen him present on stage. So I mentioned the event that I saw him at, you know, these personal touches, like I'm not just some random dude who's fishing from (laughs) New York Times bestsellers to see who might endorse my book. that, that I had a real connection to him and his work and that I leaned on it in chapter one and chapter, I think, five or six. Um, I leaned on his work and cited it. And um, and so we got into this conversation and, you know, he's a super busy dude, but he's like, send me the manuscript. I'll do my best. And I just set, set myself up to, to check in every two weeks between then and my deadline to get all the endorsements to Wiley. And, uh, and he was kind enough to come through on deadline and um, it's just awesome. It's a, it's a real privilege. And, um, he just basically says, and you can read it on the back of the book as soon as the look inside part comes to the Amazon presentation, or you can find it at bombbomb.com slash book. He basically says, you know, we're all in essentially the whole premise of the thing. We're all in sales. And if you want to sell more effectively, you know, uh, consider using video and this book will show you how to do it. So, um, it was awesome. It was really fun. And th- th- that's another thing I'll say just to pick up on the you have to start to get wherever you want to go. You can't just show up there. You know, you can't edit what isn't written. You can't improve <laughs> how well you play volleyball if you never play volleyball. 
Um, and it's this in the podcast and in the book, simply asking people like, that's why we're sitting here. Totally. The worst thing that you're going to hear is no. Right. But most people are willing to help most people. Uh, if you're like-minded, right, you're, you, you reached out to me because of mutual connections and basic familiarity and some like-mindedness. You had a pretty good chance of getting a yes, A, because I, I would never, I just appreciate the, the um, opportunity to explore ideas and things live in real time and someone who's sincerely interested in what we're doing. Like I always have time for this request, but the way you went about it is the way that we subtly go about a lot of things. Like you're in position to get a yes more often than you think mm -hmm. in general, right? Because you're asking people for a specific reason, even if you can't articulate exactly what that is, but you knew we had mutual people in common. You were familiar with what we do as a company. You were familiar with the work that I do. And um, just that for me, the mutual introduction, hey, here's a friend of mine uh, and he has this podcast. I'm like, friend of yours is a friend of mine, right? Again, going to, <laughs> right. so I forget the language that, that Robert Cialdini uses, but that's this kind of social proof or social, social right. influence principles, just how it works. When, when a, someone you like and trust says, um, here's someone or something you should pay attention to, you're going to probably pay attention to it. And so anyway, if you're, if you're already three steps down the road of why you're going to get a no before you ever ask, I encourage you to back up. <laughs> and ask anyway, right. because if you already know all the reasons you're going to hear no, then you're already prepared to get no. I've received so many yeses. I got yeses from um, not a household name, but Anne Handley, who's written two books that I've read. One of them was super important at that career transition point for me when I was leaving broadcast and going into content marketing and digital marketing in general, content marketing in particular. She had done the same thing. She came up in journalism and then she, I don't know if she founded marketing profs or not, but um, is the chief world's first chief content officer. And so she wrote this book hmm. with CeCe Chapman called Content Rules. And it was just about all the basics that are standard practice today, but a decade ago, right? Webinars and, and podcasting and video and blogs and all this stuff and just broke it down in a really easy thing. And she wrote the single best book on writing that I've read. And I've read about four or five of them. And it's called Everybody Writes. Okay. And um, so I, and she's a keynote speaker, uh, prolific um, person. If you pay attention to the world of content marketing, is that writes a ton, has a great newsletter herself. Um, she's just around. And so, I reached out to her and I asked her to be a guest on my podcast. And she said, yes, this is a really busy person, someone who I really respect. My podcast didn't exist. Mm. I, I couldn't say, hey, go look and see all these great other people that I got and add credit. There was zero credibility there because it didn't exist. She was the third episode I recorded, fourth episode <laughs> I recorded and I released. <laughs> and so, um, and I had about eight in the can before I ever turned the first one live. And so- People who you think, people who you like and respect, this might translate to another opportunity besides getting a person to do something with you or for you if, uh, to the people listening to this podcast. For me, it was asking someone who I thought I had a shot to get um, but didn't have any reasonable expectation. I didn't have a really strong argument. Um, hey, I've got this podcast and I'm still trying to figure out what it's about. <laughs> it doesn't exist. I can't tell you anything about it except that I've interviewed three people uh, before you. Would you do it? And, and you get a yes. So there are a lot more yeses out there than you would expect. 
All right. So confession, I have been on Daniel Pink's site. I found that form you're talking about because he was one of the, in like the series of like eight or 10 dominoes that actually got me into improv comedy. And he talks about that in to sell as human. And I've interviewed um, kind of my improv group and some other improvisers. And I wanted to talk to him about that. And I had that form pulled up and I had kind of like, in, in a word doc that I was going to cut and paste into that form, like the appeal to get him to, it's like, I was going to ask like the whole cliche 15 minutes, but I know he's very, very busy, but to kind of go down that road of, I, I wanted to tie back a couple other sales, improv, things like that. And I will have to probably say I was afraid to send that email and because I didn't want to get rejected, but you've inspired me that I will, I will commit to you that within two weeks, I will hit him back up to be a, a guest on my show. Awesome. I love it. And it is. <laughs> it, I mean, that, that's the other side of this <clears throat> thing, too. The, 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 the tough paradox around the style of video that we've been talking about is that what makes it so effective? I hear this all the time from, I do all, from, from customers. I do all kinds of videos, but the ones that provoke the best response are my simplest Right. Sure. I, I have a ton of camera equipment, but the camera I would be least likely or least willing to give up would be my iPhone. Not for all the other things the iPhone does, but because of the convenience of that camera. And so the simpler the video is, the less polished it is, the more approachable it is, the more honest sure. it is, the more trustworthy it is, and therefore the more effective it is in general. And there is in general. So the flip side to that, the paradoxical thing is exactly what makes it so effective is exactly what makes it so difficult to do. It's difficult to be ourselves. We do not want to be judged. We do not want to be rejected. Uh, we, We fear these things. We don't like that experience. And so our egos and other parts of our minds protect ourselves from those experiences. And so... Um, I just encourage you to acknowledge that when you record your first video and you look at it and there's the re-record staring you in the face and there's the <laughs> send button staring you in the yep. face, just send that video because you're going to have a million reasons to re-record it and all just, just pay attention to that voice in your head that says, I can't, I'm not good enough, this isn't good enough um, because it's, it's just really, it's not true. It's just our, it's just our it's just our own minds protecting ourselves so we can feel good about ourselves and feel confident every day and it's just a natural thing. I think that's a great place to summarize and and <laughs> that's a perfect endpoint. So uh, with that, Ethan Butte, thank you so much for this. This has been uh, enjoyable and it's getting to know books that we like and this is this is why I love doing this is like having the template and then just building that relationship and finding out that. Yeah, we have a lot in common. So this has been great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. I love the format. I love that you came here and we're doing this in person. It just creates <laughs> such a different dynamic. It's really good. And it's uh, it suggests a relationship orientation. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I'll put all this in the, in the links. But where can people find you, find the book, and uh, go from there? Cool. Uh, my name is Ethan Butte. It's E-T-H-A-N. Last name is B-E-U-T-E. And I'm on all the social networks. 
Um, I may be more attentive to them than you. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Can uh, we be friends? <laughs> y- y- yes. And uh, so I, you can find me at, by first name and last name on, on all the social networks um, and at ethanbutte.com. Same thing with Bomb Bomb. It's just the word bomb twice. It's a story we can get on another episode. You got it. Uh, and we're Bomb Bomb on all the social networks and at bombbomb.com. And you can try it absolutely free with no credit card required for two weeks on basically every page of the website. And the book is called Rehumanize Your Business. Uh, the subtitle is How Personal Videos Accelerate rate sales and improve customer experience. You can find it on Amazon. You can learn more about it at uh, bombbomb.com slash book. Um, and just a fun fact, quick nugget. Yeah. Uh, if you are independent minded and you love your independent bookstore, something I learned in this process is that you can still order your books online from IndieBound. Uh, IndieBound is the name of the company and it's a consortium of independent booksellers. So, you know, here on the front range, that'd be someone like Tattered Cover. Okay. Uh, in Denver. And so if you want to get your books online, but you still want to prop up that, that, that neighborhood mindset and everything that those independent local booksellers do, you can do that digitally at IndieBound. Uh, so you can find it there too. That's where I'll buy my copy. Ethan, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you.